This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Bibles to uh, the book of 2 Kings, 
chapter uh, 3, and we're going to be reading several verses beginning with verse 9 here in just a a few moments. Uh, This is the second week of our message series entitled Crazy Faith. And as I mentioned last week, crazy faith is not referring to my wife's faith. Rather, we're looking at the crazy, and and remember, crazy is is in a good sort of way. Last week, we we learned that words can have dual meanings. Bad can mean bad, but it can also mean bad. You know, it can also mean good. And so, same way with crazy. Crazy in a good sort of way. We're looking at the crazy faith of the Old Testament prophet named Elisha that enabled him to perform more recorded miracles than anyone else in the Bible besides, you remember who? Besides Jesus Christ. Now, if you missed last week, I would encourage you to listen to the podcast, but we talked about leaving behind anything that would keep us from following God. As Elisha was called by God, he didn't try to analyze it. He didn't do a list of pros and cons, why I should, why I shouldn't. He just said, God, it's obvious you are in this call. You're calling me into ministry. I will follow you. And so remember what he did? He went out to the field, killed the oxen he used to make a living. He set fire to the plow, said there is no plan B. I have decided to follow God, no turning back. So last week we burned plows. Today we're going to dig ditches. Let me try to set the stage for our study. There were three kings in our lesson. The king of Israel, the king of Judah, the king of Edom. One day they decided to join forces and do battle against the Moabites who had become a pain in their side. And they thought, well, with... Three against one odds, this battle should be a piece of cake. And they thought that they would be able to get back home, maybe without even breaking into a sweat. But I I don't know if you found, I have found that whether it's a program here at church or, or a simple project at the farm or an easy plumbing job at my house where I just clean out a stopped up drain or or leisurely plans to enjoy a quiet meal and movie in Springfield... Whatever, rarely do things go exactly as I, I, as I hoped they would. Uh, th- th- this past Wednesday, uh, Wednesday was not only my grandson's sixth birthday, and I can't believe it, but he's getting so big, but it was also our, our, our 32nd anniversary. So if I forget a birthday, I also forget an anniversary. Um, and, and if I might just digress for for a moment here, uh, my wife, uh, sometimes she is crazy faith, uh, but if, if I could just share my anniversary present, and, and she gave this uh, to me, it said, happy anniversary, Joe, and it says 32 years and 384 months, and then it gives the weeks and the days and the hours and the minutes and the seconds that we've been married, and then she said, I love you because... And uh, then I have to go through this right here. Uh, she gave me a shirt and says, I love you because you'd give me the shirt off your back. Isn't that sweet? And then back here, uh, a package of double stuffed Oreos. She said, I love you because you make my days double stuffed with happiness. Isn't that sweet? And then this one here is a package of beef jerky. She said, I love you because you forgive me when I'm jerky. And then uh, king-sized candy bar says, because you have a king-sized heart. And then uh, Reese's Pieces, she said, without you, I'd fall to pieces. 
And then there's a candle in here. It says, I love you because you light up my life. And then the last one, I love you because you're perfect, the perfect blend of sweet and nutty. Isn't that cool? Anyway, happy anniversary, hon. You are absolutely the best. And uh, besides that, you're very, very creative in, in your gifts there. Um, so I- anyway, I, I found that, uh, you know, things don't go as planned. And so this past Wednesday, uh, we, uh, I, I took Faith, went all out. And I took her to a really fancy, snazzy restaurant in Springfield called Taco Bell. Anybody ever hear of that? She loves Taco Bell. Uh, actually, I did take her someplace else. I took her to the Olive Garden, and, and she wanted to watch, watch a movie. And I'm not too big into that because I fall asleep during movies. And, and, uh, and you know, when I start snoring, it's kind of distracting to the people around me. But uh, somebody gave us a, a gift card. And uh, so we went to the movie, to the theater, and went to pay for it with that gift card, Fandango. And, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, you've got to actually buy the tickets online. We didn't know that. And so uh, we, uh, it was about two minutes till the movie started. And uh, we started scrambling on our phones. And, and they shut it off right the moment that the previews start rolling. And, and so we were locked out of that. And uh, thought, okay, we'll go to Plan B. And we chose another movie at another theater and made our purchase with our phones. Got there, went to the theater and, and suffered through the 15 minutes of, of, of previews. And I was still awake when the movie actually started. And, 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 and I'll just tell you, we're really ignorant on movies. We, we don't watch movies very often. And, and I didn't know what we were in for. But within the first two minutes, we were already uncomfortable with the plot and the flesh, and the vulgar language. And, and this was not an X-rated or an R-rated movie. It, it was supposedly a family movie. And we thought it would get better, but it didn't. And so would you believe that after 15 minutes, Joe and Faith got up and walked out of the movie. We made it 15 minutes, and, and that was it. And, 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 you know, that's the way it generally works. And it seems like you've got this wonderful, calm evening, evening planned and it, and it doesn't happen, or, or you go to do the uh, do-it-yourself projects, and you've got to go to Meeks or Ehlers a half a dozen times, or while you're fixing it. Uh, Daryl, I don't know if that ever happens to you, but I end up breaking something else, and then I've got to fix that as well. So uh, the, these three kings, back to, I, I know I, I digressed a little bit, but these three kings thought that everything would go smoothly in battle. They would mop up. They would have a quick and easy battle. But as is predictable, things began to fall apart. And what happened is that these three kings underestimated the journey that, uh, that took them to where they would fight the battle. That journey took them not only one day through the wilderness, through the, through the desert, not only two, not only three, but it took them seven days. Now, they, they were not prepared because after seven days, they ran out of water. And this was serious because those three armies and their animals... We're in the desert, probably just a few hours from dying of thirst. Well, that major problem opened the door for a tremendous miracle that God would perform through Elisha. And, and before we read about that miracle, and I love, I love this account, but let me give one statement that will not only summarize this lesson, but it should help encourage you as you encounter different problems throughout life. Here's the statement. Your greatest need becomes your greatest blessing when it drives you to depend on God. 
Anybody? Have you found that to be true? Let me, let me repeat that. Your greatest need, sometimes it's a health issue. Sometimes it's a financial issue. But your greatest need becomes your greatest blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Okay, let's, let's read the word. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. So you've got the three kings there. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Let me just stop here. Uh, Elisha used to be mentored by Elijah. He was kind of his assistant. And, and if you remember a little bit about Elijah, when the nation of Israel was uh, in, in trouble and, and they had sinned and, and, and there was a drought, uh, anyway, he caused a big storm to come from a little cloud. And it started out, the Bible says, the size of a man's hand. And then there was a huge storm that came. And, and so maybe they're thinking, you know what? If, if Elijah was able to send a rainstorm during that drought, maybe his assistant, Elisha, can do the same. Well, let's go on to verse 12. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. Meaning with Elisha. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of, of Edom went down to him. Now, as we talk about these three kings, it's important to know that they were currently not in a close relationship with God Jehovah. Now, Second Chronicles, and, and I'm actually working through the book of Second Chronicles in my, in my private reading, in, in my devotional time. And, and, and this past week, it was interesting, I was reading about Jehoshaphat, and there was a time when he was committed to God Jehovah. But he began to stray away, he began to make ungodly alliances. And so at this time, he is not the godly man that he had been at one time. But here's what's so interesting to me. When these three kings and their armies and their animals run out of water, they realize they're in deep trouble. What do they do? They say, oh, we're in trouble. We need to come to God for help. And, you know, it's interesting here at this church, we, we, we get a lot of people on probably a weekly basis, sometimes more than that, People that don't have time for God in, in, in the community, they don't have time for God, but something happens, whether it's a health crisis, normally a financial crisis, or sometimes a marriage is about to blow up, and people come running to the church for help. And, and it's kind of what happened here with these three kings. They began to ask around, you know what, we're in trouble. Is there somebody close by that can maybe pull some strings with God Jehovah and, and maybe do a little spiritual rain dance? And that, that's the trestle version there. And, and somehow make it rain so we don't die. Well, an officer of one of the kings said, now, now that you mention it, you know what? I, I, I do remember a name. Um... He used to be the assistant of the great prophet Elijah. 
And, and, and if I remember correctly, his name is Elisha. And, and from what I've heard, th- this man has done some pretty amazing miracles. And really he had, and and if you study kind of the chronology of this, this would have been pretty much the rookie year of Elisha in ministry. But he had already done some veteran-like miracles. Uh, You know, two or three examples. When Elijah, you remember that Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind, a chariot. And and, and so when he was caught up, evidently his cloak fell to the ground. And and so Elisha picked up the cloak and and he went to the water and he hit the water with the cloak and the Bible says the water divided right to left. And Elisha was able to walk across on dry ground. And that's a pretty good miracle for a starter. And then shortly after that miracle, some, some people had come to Elisha. And this one cracks me up. But they said, you know, our town has a lot going for it. It's well situated. But the water is really bad. Does that kind of sound familiar here? Um, but, but what's interesting is their water didn't just taste bad like ours. But it was so nasty The Bible says that nothing would grow, plus it was poisoning people. And and so they they, they said, uh, you know, can can you take care of our our water, Elisha? And Elisha said, well, bring me a new bowl and some salt and put the salt in the new bowl. And so Elisha went to the spring that was feeding the water for the entire town. And he threw that salt in there and... And it said, and what's interesting, the word that's used of taking care of that bad water said that the water, that the water was healed. The water was healed. Took care of the water in that community. Things began to grow. Nobody else died because of the water. And, 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 and maybe we need to just go to, go to prayer for an Elisha that could do that to our water here in El Dorado Springs. Uh, is there an amen to that? But, and there's actually one more miracle. This is probably my favorite miracle. And, and, and I may actually come up with a way, see if I can come up with a way to where I can talk about this uh, for a Sunday morning sermon. But it was documented right before the one that we're studying. And you can find this in the last uh, couple of verses of Second Kings chapter 2. But some young men made a poor decision to make fun of Elisha. Evidently because he was bald. And, and if you haven't been in church much, l- let me just read this so you know that I'm not making this up. But in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23, From there Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some youths came up out of town and jeered at him. Go on up, you bald head, they said. Go on up, you bald head. Elisha turned around, looked at them, and called out a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youth. Two lessons to be learned here. Number one, never make fun of a guy with a bald head. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Heard that from Chad Daniel. Here's the second lesson. Sometimes a bear is just a prayer away. Okay? Two important lessons here. But anyway, when you're able to perform miracles like this, word gets around. And so these three kings, now that they're in trouble, they, they find Elisha and say, Pastor Elisha. Can you help us out? I mean, can you pull some strings? And, and, and since they were not real committed followers of God, I can imagine that they probably said something that we hear a lot today from people who is, you know, are sometimes on the fringe of Christianity. And this is one of my greatest irritations. But maybe they said something to the effect of, could you please talk to the man upstairs and get him to make it rain so we can have water for us and for our animals as well? Well, how do you think Elisha responded? 
Well, this, this again cracks me up because it's almost like Elisha had gotten up on the wrong side of the bed that morning. And he shows a little bit of a tood. He's like, and, and again, this is my paraphrase, but he's like, guys, you haven't had the time of day for God. You haven't made any kind of effort to serve him. And now that you're in trouble, all of a sudden you want God's help and you want my help. And, and, and listen to what Elisha said. It, it's kind of smart, Eliki said in verse 12, So the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Eden went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, What do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. In other words, don't come to me. We're not buds. Spiritually, we're not on the same page. You need to take your toys, go back home, go back to your own gods. You know, the gods, the prophets of your father and mother. Now, now, frankly, if a, if a preacher would have told me that, I would have thought, what a jerk. But really, when you study Elisha's mentor, Elijah, you see that Elijah was the king of attitude. I mean, for example, when Elijah went to 450 false prophets who worshiped the God of Baal, he said, boys, let's have a little contest and let's see how big your God is. And we'll get two bulls. You kill one, I'll kill one. You built an altar, build an altar for yours and I'll build an altar. And then we'll start calling and see who, uh, which God can bring fire. And if your God brings down fire, sends down fire, we'll worship him. And if mine does, then you worship him and, and let's rumble, boys, let's get it on and and so the false prophets, they begin calling on their God and send fire, send fire, send fire, and nothing happened. And, and Elijah starts trash talking. I, I think this is where trash talking started right here. And he said, well, maybe you should shout louder. Maybe your God's deaf. Maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he's deep in thought. One translation said, maybe your God even went out to relieve himself. And you can, you can read this in, in 1 Kings chapter 18. And so maybe because Elisha has seen it modeled by Elijah, he shows a bit of an attitude as well and says, Why do you three kings come to me? You haven't had time for God until now. But then, Elisha softens a bit. And after saying, take your toys, go on back home, go back to the prophets of your father and mother, he, he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. You three kings come to me, said, I don't have a bit of respect for two of you. But I do have a little bit of respect for Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Yeah, Jehoshaphat is not, not, not serving God like he should. And, and he's aligned himself with you two rascals, you two yahoos. But there was a time. And, and again, I, as I was reading through uh, Chronicles, I, I, I read that he did fear God. And so Elisha says, I'm going to honor him. But for the other two, I don't have the time of day. So in verse 15, he makes a request. He says, bring me a harpist. If you want me to seek God for you, go get the biggest and the hardest instrument to move. <laughs> bring it in here and get somebody who's good and play me some music. And this was not an uncommon practice for prophets. Uh, that's something, you know, there's something about... God speaking to us while we're listening to godly music. Have you noticed that? There have been times when God has just really blessed me and He's spoken to me when I was listening to godly music. And, and really, that's why we begin our, our, our services with music here. Uh, 
You know, yes, it's, it's a tradition, but, but many times music sets the tone for the preaching of the Word. Music's not a substitute for the Word, but it complements the Word. And, and, and since you love me so much, you'll accept this as I tell you this, <laughs> but there are some people that stand out in the foyer, talk, and miss out on music. Maybe laughing, catching up on whatever. Could, could I encourage you, get here on time and, and, and get dialed in early in the service. Get here to where, maybe early to where you can, even if you want to come and pray and prepare your heart. And uh, I, I would just encourage you to, even though everything that we do is part of our worship, but yet music is a very important part. And so, anyway, just just saying here that I would encourage all of you to be in here when we begin. Uh, anyway, Elisha says, bring me a harp and get me a harpist. And, 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 and while the harpist is playing music, Elisha begins to seek God. And it doesn't take long. And Elisha receives a message from the Lord. And here it is. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. Now that's a strange request from the Lord. And can you imagine the response of the troops? I mean, the troops have... Walked seven days. They're out of water. They're probably dehydrated. And now Elisha asks them to go out in the hot sun and do some of the most difficult manual labor possible, which is to dig a ditch. But remember our statement, our greatest need often becomes our greatest blessing when it depends, when it drives us to depend on God. And we're about to see this illustrated. Now, if you haven't read the account, you're probably thinking, get ready for a storm. As the old timers used to say, God is about to send a toad strangling, duck drowning, turtle floating gully washer. And if you're from the city and don't understand that, that just simply means it's about to rain big time. But instead of God sending rain, look instead at the strategy God decides to use. And by the way, God doesn't always use the same strategy. You know, with Elijah, when they needed water, God sent a rainstorm. But with Elisha, God says, I'm going to do something else. Which, which I think the lesson for us is don't think that God always does the same thing in the same way every time. Don't try to put God in a box. For example, not everyone will come to Christ just like you did. In the early service, we have some people that they came to Christ at a camp meeting. And they have a special place in their heart for camp meetings. Um, not everybody's going to come to Christ by coming forward in church and praying at the altar. Not everybody's going to come to Christ at an encounter. God's using the encounter movement in a tremendous way. Not everybody will find Christ through that. Not everybody will find Christ at a Christian school like I did. I came forward at a chapel service and gave my heart to Jesus. I mean, those are great places to find Christ. But, but let's not try to put everybody into the same mold. Let's let God decide the best way to work. And let's see how God took care of this need for water in verse 17. This is what the Lord says. 
you will see neither wind nor rain. So no storm. Yet this valley will be filled with water and you, your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. So again, God says no storm, no wind, no rain, but I will send water. But first, here's what you need to do. Kings, get your troops to go out and dig some ditches. And if you do that, even though you don't deserve it because you've not been faithful to God, yet God is going to be merciful to you and he will give you water. Plus, he will deliver Moab into your hands. But don't forget, first, you need to dig those ditches. Now, what I want to do just kind of as we wrap up this story is to try to apply this directly to our lives. And I want to show you two principles of crazy faith. The first one, and this is so good. But a lot of people from Cedar County or Vernon County or St. Clair County or wherever you come from, we don't like this one. Number one, only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Let me, let me say it again. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Now, you understand that the God of the universe really didn't need those boys to dig a ditch. God could have done that by himself. After all, God did a pretty good job of digging ditches around the world. We call them lakes, rivers, ponds, streams, oceans. God really didn't need their help to dig a ditch. But it's almost as if God were saying, you show me your faith and then I'll show you my faithfulness. You know, throughout the New Testament, we see it again when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, it moved his heart. What are some examples of this? Well, I mentioned this example last week. Remember, Peter was in the boat and Jesus said, uh, and, and said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come and, and I'll come. And Jesus said, come. And what did Peter do? He got out of the boat and started walking on water. Now, there were 11 other disciples in the boat, but Peter was the only one that had the faith to get out of the boat. And the result was he was the only one out of the 12 that could put on his resume, I walked on water. Another example in the New Testament, there was a man with a withered hand. What did Jesus say to him? Stretch out your hand. Now, Jesus didn't need the man to stretch out his hand. Jesus could have said, be healed. But instead he said, stretch out your hand. I want to see your faith. And then you'll see my faithfulness and I'll heal you. Another time in the Bible, there was a man who hadn't been able to walk for years. In fact, all of his life. And, and Jesus looked at him and said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. I will heal you, but I'm not going to pick you up. You're going to have to get up on your own. Only God can send the water. But sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. You know, there was another man who was blind from birth and Jesus went up and picked up, uh, picked up some dirt and spit in it and, and rubbed it together, made it some mud, put it on the man's eyes. And, and, and most of us would have said, Jesus, that's nasty. And, but then Jesus said, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. In other words, I'm going to do my part, but I want to see you do yours. Show me your faith. 
and I'll show you my faithfulness. You know, I believe there are a lot of people today, they're waiting for God to show them His faithfulness, but they're not showing God any faith. How about some examples? Maybe you want to quit smoking. Do your part. Quit buying cigarettes. If you have any, throw them away. Maybe bring them up to the altar as others have done and leave them here. That's your part of faith and then God will show you His faithfulness to help you quit. You want to heal a relationship that's gone bad? Well, your part is to maybe treat them with love even if they're ugly to you. What are you doing? You're, you're digging a ditch. You want your kids to serve Christ? I, I know there are no guarantees, but there are a lot of people that say, Well, I want my kids to serve Jesus, but they don't bring them to church very much. They don't get them involved in kids' programs or youth groups or, or youth camps. And so maybe the ditch you need to dig is to bring them to kids' activities and VBS and kids' clubs and youth groups and, and be faithful in church and then be faithful to read the Bible with them and pray with them. And some people say, well, I'd really like to tithe, but I just can't financially. I mean, things are too tight. Well, I found that most, most people can tithe. It's a priority. But if, if you say you can't, then maybe a first step would be to even tithe your time here at the church. Maybe help clean the church or mow the grass. You know, God gives us a crazy principle that if we give Him our first and our best, then God will bless the rest. And, and, and those of you who are tithers, you know firsthand that the, that the supernatural power of God... With the supernatural power of God, 90% with His blessings goes further than 100% without His blessings. It's crazy. Doesn't make sense on paper, but it's true. What are you doing? You're digging a ditch. Only God can send the water. But sometimes He wants you to dig a ditch. Here's the second principle. Real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. You know, I know some good Christians that are believing God for some huge things. They have a vision that would blow your minds. And, and thankfully, we do serve a God who can do exceeding abundantly more than all you can ask, think, or imagine. We serve a big God. Amen? But as you believe God for some big things, you need to be willing to start small. I mean, think about this. How do you dig a ditch? If you're in the 9th century B.C., how do you dig a ditch? One shovel full of dirt at a time. There, there, there's a scripture that relates to this in Zechariah 14.10. It says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. There may be some people here, you've got a big vision, but you need to be willing to start small. You need to be faithful with, God, with what God has put in front of you now. You know, when I first started preaching, it was to a crowd. I was in Bible college, and there was a church near Kansas City that didn't have a pastor. And, well, get, you know, get a college boy. And so I made trip there about an hour away, Sunday after Sunday. And I spoke to a big crowd uh, of about a dozen or so every Sunday. And, and, and even though I've never spoken to tens of thousands of people, and it's not on my bucket list to do that, that doesn't light my fire. You know, I'm sometimes amazed that God allows me to minister here at this church and God has allowed me to the doors to travel to different places. 
And again, that doesn't float by boat. That's not what defines me. That's not what identifies me. But it's just amazing how, you know, when you're faithful with the few talents that you have, God seems to bless and He seems to open doors. And uh, God has continued to open doors since then. And so I want to encourage you to think big, but be willing to start small. They did the small things and then... Here's, here's what happened. Verse 20, the next morning, about the time for, the offering, the sacri- for offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. <laughs> you know, it didn't happen with a big rainstorm. I, I would have thought it had been more effective. Okay, God, send the thunder and the lightning and a big storm, and I want to see these people, see their reaction. But it was like, God said, I'm going to just change things up a little bit. I'm going to do this at night when nobody sees it. Isn't that like God? Now, God may not always give us everything we want. This is not some health, wealth, prosperity doctrine. But I will say this, that if you show some faith, God will show His faithfulness. As we wrap things up uh, this morning, I wonder how many of us here today need to show God that we can be faithful in digging the ditch. Be faithful in the small things. You know, it's easy to be faithful when everyone's watching and and, and you get praise. It's easy to do that. But but how many of us, and you know, during the week, my, my heart sometimes is just... It kind of does a flip as I see many of you. You come in and you you spend time vacuuming, cleaning the church this week. The mowers, it was so, so hot. And you were out there being faithful to the Lord and not many people watching. It's easy for us to be faithful when we get honor and glory and praise. But how many of us are really faithful in the small, the menial, behind-the-scenes tasks? Here's what I've been praying for this week. I'm praying for a church full of ditch diggers. I mean, those who will believe God with such a crazy faith that they will act accordingly. And then I'm also praying for a church who will think big, but will be willing to start small. Why am I praying for that? Because I, I, I believe that's the kind of crazy faith that moves the heart of God. Now again, I don't know where this is going to touch you, but you know, not only does this message just apply to this church, but I believe that it applies to us individually. You know, some of you, maybe you've been praying for some things for a long time and you don't understand maybe why God hasn't answered. Maybe He's asking you to go out and just dig a ditch right now. and He wants to show Him your faith and then He'll show you His faithfulness. You know, maybe you're, you, you've got this big vision and you're thinking, okay, God's going to just do this huge thing, but maybe He wants you to start small with one person. Maybe two or three people, maybe in a small group. You know, I don't know everything that God wants to do in this church, but I'll tell you this. I know He wants us to reach this community.
You know, it's kind of overwhelming when we drive around in this community and see everything that's gone on and people that uh, you know are so far from God. But God has called us to reach them. And we may not be able to reach all 2,000 unchurched people, but I believe when we begin reaching one, each one reach one, that will have a domino effect and we can see this community changed. And so this morning as we close, I, I want to pray again that God would help us to begin digging the ditch this week. That we would obey God in the small things. And then expect God to send the water in the way that He chooses. Would you stand please as we spend some time praying? Father, I want to, I want to thank you for this lesson. It's... It's a lesson that really spoke to me. Lord, sometimes I pray and I want things just to kind of fall into my lap. And Lord, I learned that uh, sometimes I need to show my faith and go dig a ditch. And Lord, I also learned that sometimes I, I want you to do stuff my way because kind of being a control freak and I want it done my way. But Lord, I learned that you don't always do things the traditional way. Lord, you may not even do things inside the church walls, but you may choose non-traditional ways to do things. But I, God, I pray that you would give us a church full of ditch diggers. Those that would be willing to do what seems like illogical. What is illogical? God, that we would do those things that don't make sense. Lord, that we would be willing to step out in faith and say, God has said it. I believe it. I'm going to do it. Lord, I pray for those who have had a big vision, whether it's a, a business venture or just a ministry or whatever. Maybe it's just a family situation and they've been praying and nothing seems to come together. And Father, I pray that you would just help them right now to maybe learn that small step that they need to take now instead of waiting for just a huge huge beginning that they would start that they would not despise those small beginnings as Zachariah said God I pray that you would help us to make a difference Lord we want to reach people for you Lord we want to lift up the name of Jesus Lord we don't want to lift up the name of our church or anything like that, that that would just fade into the blurry background, but that Jesus would be front and centered. God, I pray that we would see Jesus Christ work in ways that we've never seen him work before. Lord, don't let us get in the way. Don't let us be a drag. Lord, don't let us be one of those that nitpicks and complains and Lord, that would be a fire fight or throw water on a fire, but I pray that we would be a fire lighter for you, that we would be guilty of encouraging and Lord, those that are doing something instead of tearing them down, that we would help stoke the fire and just let them know that we're behind them. So God, I pray that as we go about our week, that you would give us some ditch diggers, give us some miracles. Lord, let us do our part. 
Thank you, Father, for being here today. We love you, and we ask these favors in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of the people said, Amen and Amen. Thank you for coming. You are dismissed. See you this evening. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.